I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you can't just show up here, tell me you love me, and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. How does it work? I don't know, but not this way. What about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you're the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely. And it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize that you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. That was actually a pretty decent Meg Ryan, I gotta was say. Was it? Okay, I'm not sure it was extremely <laughs> annoying. I, I tried. <laughs> Good job. I mean, that's all we can do. Welcome to Your Pick, a film podcast. I'm Geneva. And I'm Tatum. We are two friends who love movies and love sharing them with each other. Each week, we take turns picking a film that is close to our hearts and talk about why it moves us, to the tears, to laughter, and everything in between. We celebrate the craft of filmmaking, as well as the unique and personal ways we find meaning in the movies we watch. Welcome back, Tatum. It's been a hot minute. It really has. Uh, have you been watching anything decent lately? Um, so Geneva and I both have had a lot going on. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I have watched, uh, a few things real quickly. Um, I actually, there's a movie that I've been wanting to see for a while. It's a Richard Linklater film called Bernie. Um, and I did finally get to watch it. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. The premise of the story is, um, the main character is Jack Black and he is a, um, a coroner who lives in a very very small town i don't i don't remember what state it's in but it's somewhere in the south and he is like already already sounds great yeah he's like idolized by all of the people in the town especially the older women they're like oh my gosh that bernie he's just the sweetest he's the sweetest he could never hurt anybody and so bernie essentially he spends his life like serving people in the town but then there's this one lady who everyone in the town hates. She has a represent or a reputation of just being really crotchety and mean. And then he ends up trying to become friends with her and kind of soften her up a little bit. And then she ends up taking him as kind of like her slave almost because he's so willing to help people and help people that he doesn't really know how to say no. And so uh, I won't spoil anything but basically he gets caught up in her whole life and becomes quite unhappy with how he's being treated and then things kind of go from there it's based on a true story i don't know how what yeah i don't know how uh, accurate it is but it is based on a true story or inspired by a true story that took some turns that i was not expecting i gotta say yeah yeah it's it's an interesting movie i don't think i'll watch it again um but i don't I don't regret watching it. Uh, I love Jack Black. It was really interesting to see him play a character like this. That's kind of this sweet, timid man who just walks around and serves everybody that he sees. And and he's like, yes, I just want to make sure that everybody, when they die, they look beautiful when they're laying in their casket and that everybody just loves them and they make sure that they are loved. And just like, yeah. So he's a really gentle, gentle sweetheart. Um 
who ends up getting taken advantage of. So, yeah. It sounds almost like Richard Linklater trying to do a Coen Brothers movie. Honestly, that, that's a good that's a good um, comparison. It is kind of Coen Brothers vibes a little bit, but definitely with Richard Linklater, like, it's very clearly not made by them, but I could see connections there for sure. So yeah, it's it's not a bad film. Uh, like I said, I probably won't watch it again, but I have a few movies like that with Linklater where I'm like, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but I probably won't watch it again. And this is another one of those. Um, and then next thing, I finally got to see the movie Booksmart, which has been on my list pretty much ever since it came out. I was very pleasantly surprised by this movie. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was very funny. Um, I watch comedies and I kind of just go, huh, that's funny. Or I'll have like a little giggle or something. I was laughing so hard that I was crying at certain points in this movie. It is really, really funny. I had a great time with it. Um, and so, yeah, I think everybody kind of knows the general premise of it. It's kind of like the super bad, but but for like gay people and for girls. Yeah, it's a good time. It's incredibly funny and uh, I enjoyed it. So I would recommend Booksmart if uh, if you're if you're OK with having humor that's not entirely clean. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing I've been watching, I don't know what happened I don't know what about the universe was putting this on my radar, but I, um, I'll go into this super briefly, but there is a television show to me that is my favorite show I've ever seen in my entire life. I think it's the best TV show ever made. It's a little known show called Breaking Bad. Obscure little show. No one's ever heard of yeah. it. It'll never amount no to No one's thing. ever heard of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like a really small thing that came and went, um, <laughs> Yeah, this show is so special to me that after the show ended uh, a few years ago, I was like, I don't know if I can ever watch this again because I want to preserve my emotions of watching it for the first time. Like, I don't want it to ever feel like I know what's coming or like I've seen it a million times or whatever. So I was like, if I ever watch this again, I want it to be after a period of time that I feel like it can actually be fresh and not like, oh, I know what's coming. Because Game of Thrones, I'm like, oh, I I know it inside and out, right? But I didn't want that to be my relationship with this show. And so for whatever reason, I just was like, I think it's time for me to start watching Breaking Bad again. Um, and I guess it's been, what, like seven years since I've watched, like, which is nuts. Yeah, so I've watched a lot of Breaking Bad <laughs> in the last like week and a half or so. Uh, I'm still not working because of the writers and actors strike. So um, yeah, but I have watched the entirety of seasons one and two um, and started season three. It's a very good show. I definitely hate Walter White a lot more this time around than I did the first time. Um, because I think the first time I didn't entirely know where he was going to end up. And so I assumed the best. Whereas now I'm like, oh no, from the very beginning, you are a, ter like you didn't slowly become a terrible person. You've been terrible <laughs> from day one. I'm glad you're coming around to my way of thinking on Walter White because he is the absolute worst. Yeah. He's, he's awful. He's absolutely awful. And, um, his relationship with Jesse Pinkman is so upsetting to me but I remember sorry this is going way longer than I wanted it to go but I remember when I first watched Breaking Bad a lot of people were talking about Brian Cranston which like obviously he is 
incredible in this show. Like it's a tour de force. It's phenomenal. The fact that he went from this dad and Malcolm in the middle to then, you know, this character who's the opposite of that is great. But Aaron Paul was always the one that captured me the first time around. And, um, he's still, man, he's still blowing me away. Aaron Paul. I don't think I've seen him. He's done quite a few things since breaking bad wrapped. Um, he's never really reached that same height for me. Um, but man, he is, he's a force to be reckoned with in this show. And I think it, it, it shows the fact that Vince Gilligan was not intending on having his character stay in the show for very long, but because Aaron Paul's performance was so good, he's like, we have to keep this character in here. And, um, yeah, he blows me away. So anyway, I'm sure most people have seen Breaking Bad by now. Um, but if you haven't seen it, highly recommend, uh, it's not an enjoyable watch because the main character is a despicable human being. (laughs) Um, but that being said, it's a really good balance of drama and comedy and suspense and action and but like with stakes in the real world and it has a heart behind it and you do feel things and it is emotional and it is all of these things um, and seeing how the characters begin and how their relationships evolve. The relationship between Skylar and Walter is fascinating to me how they. Yeah. Anyway. It's an incredible show. Highly, highly recommend. Um, Yeah, I'm really happy to be watching it again because I think waiting as long as I did, it does feel fresh to me. Obviously, it will never feel as fresh as it did the first time, but it still feels very fresh. So, yeah. Thank you, Vince Gilligan, for creating this this program for us as humans to consume. So that's what I've been watching. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. That really makes me want to get back on my Breaking Bad watch because as you know I watched the first two seasons and was really struggling with how much I hated Walter and how difficult it was for me to watch anything that he did because of the blinding hatred that I have toward him. Yeah. But I know it is I mean <clears throat> that is in in many ways very much the point of the show and you know I I did really admire when I was watching it the the writing and the acting and the the themes that were being explored and everything. So yeah, especially now that I've gotten a little bit older, I think I, I really should get back on um, and finish it out. Yeah, I will say the character of Hank has not aged well. Um, he was supposed to be the same character that he is when he was written back then, you know, kind of this macho man who's insecure on the inside. And so he tries to overcompensate for that and in weird, like sexist, racist sorts of ways. And um, I think it it works in terms of establishing who he is as a character but I think because of how we've just like changed socially as a culture since this show first came out, I think that it is a bit much how far the show goes into showing like, oh, yeah, he's a racist and he's a sexist in order to prove that he's not insecure. And I'm like, I don't think you had to go that far in order to establish that. I think it's pretty clear. So that that's that's the one thing that I'm like. This could be toned down a little bit, but I understand why it's there to establish his character. And it's not defending him in any way. It's not saying it's okay. It's um, showing his complexity, which I think is well done. But for me, it's just kind of a little bit like, Ugh, I don't, I don't like hearing people called these words. Ugh. <laughs> but I get it. You know, it's not disrespectful. It's, it's for a reason, but it's, yeah, it can be a little hard sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I understand. It's like, I mean, in, in Mad Men, especially in the later seasons when 
you've really come to understand and care about characters and then all of a sudden they will just say an incredibly racist or sexist thing just to remind you that this is still right the 60s and the cultural standards were very different back then and they had these these particular characters have still have these backgrounds and these views and prejudices and assumptions that are um have not been challenged and examined and so you'll just be like oh and it just kind of forces you to to reconsider and recontextualize that character but it is very very jarring yeah uh, in terms of what i've been watching just two things to report um so i recently watched the 90s 90 95 um richard the third starring ian mckellen and um, sir ian mckellen oh i i apologize sir <laughs> ian mckellen <laughs> how dare you boy he has earned that sir that what a, yes. i mean what an amazing actor um he is the really interesting thing about this richard the third apart from the fact that it's just an insane cast that's just wall-to-wall amazing british and american actors that you've loved in a million other things um is the fact that it sets the action within uh, Britain of the 1930s and specifically the rise of fascism and so as Richard III gains power you can see his care his um, followers taking on these sort of symbols and uniforms and um, actions of the Nazi party and so it's kind of contextualizing the the Shakespearean drama and power dynamics within the um, a sort of more modern uh, political setting. And it's really interesting uh, the way they do it. I think it's very well done. All the acting is incredible. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen <laughs> as Richard III is amazing. But you also have great uh, performances from Annette Bening and Kristen Scott Thomas. And yeah, I would highly, highly recommend. So there's another version of Richard III that I have seen. I've seen the version with Benedict Cumberbatch, which is kind of set within the original... Um, you know, whenever Richard III is supposed to be set, you know, in, in medieval times, Shakespeare was writing it about a, a previous king. Um, that version's okay. I think I like Benedict Cumberbatch as an actor generally, but I think he goes a little bit over the top in that role. Uh, there's another version I want to see with Laurence Olivier that was made in, I'm assuming, probably the early 50s. I'm not entirely sure. I'm very curious to see what he does with that. But yeah, I was very impressed with the um, Sir Ian McKellen version, and I would recommend it if you like Shakespeare and or like things set in the, the 1930s and explore the rise of fascism. Uh, the other thing that I saw was a 1933 Busby Berkeley musical called Footlight Parade with um, James Cagney and Joan Blondell and uh, Dick Powell and Ruby Keeler, who were two big stars at the time. <clears throat> it's a really fun movie. Um, it's really interesting comparing it to some of the other early musicals that I've seen. Um, so there's two other musicals from that year that I'd seen, 42nd Street and the Broadway Melody of 1933. And Footlight Parade is probably the most, it feels the most kind of sophisticated of the three in a certain way, in the way that the plot um, is set up and functions. It's very fun, very zippy, very silly. You know, it's all kind of just backstage um people rushing around trying to put on a show and then at the end you have these three blowout <laughs> numbers that are staged by busby berkeley and are just absolutely incredible i will say the one cautionary thing you know it is 1933 is you're just having fun you're hanging out with jimmy cagney you know all things are happening and then someone says something incredibly racist or there's an incredibly racist um theme for one of the songs things like that so oh gosh yeah you know it's just uh it's 
it it is a different time, but it's it's very disappointing and upsetting to see in the middle of um, <clears throat> an otherwise very frothy, silly, fun depression era musical. So yeah, just a just a word word of warning. I don't remember that being as much of a problem in Broadway Melody of 1933, which is also one I really like. So if you're thinking about getting into musicals of that era, I would recommend Footlight Parade, but I would suggest starting with the Broadway Melody of 1933. All right. So with that, let us move into the movie that we are discussing today. So I'm very excited. We are discussing an absolute classic today. We are talking about When Harry Met Sally from 1989. Can I just say... I felt very weird watching this movie during the summertime. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It's so funny. I had the exact same thought. It's such a, it's such a like fall we're moving into Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. It was really weird for me to watch it in the summer. (laughs) As I was watching it, I was like, oh, I probably should have scheduled this for September. (laughs) Dang it. Well, this is coming out in September. Oh, is it? Yeah. September 5th. So like very early September, but yeah. Okay. So we're getting it in under the wire. Yeah. It's our introduction to the fall. Th- yeah, there you go. Introduction to the fall. There we go. All right. Today on the show, we are discussing When Harry Met Sally from 1989, written by Nora Ephron, directed by Rob Reiner, and starring Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. The film follows the relationship between two New Yorkers, Harry Burns and Sarah- Sally Albright, as they bump up against each other again and again over the course of a decade, form a close friendship, help each other through difficult breakups, and eventually fall in love. Early on, Harry cynically declares that men and women can never be friends because sex will always get in the way. That question hangs over the air for most of the film, as Harry and Sally try to maintain a platonic relationship and date other people, despite their growing feelings for each other. When they eventually do have sex, it sends them spinning apart and forces them to reconsider what they want their relationship to be. In the late 1980s, Reiner, who was an actor-turned-director who's known for comedies such as This is Spinal Tap and The Princess Bride, and Nora Ephron, who was a well-respected columnist and screenwriter at the time, who would eventually go on to direct films of her own, began meeting to discuss a potential collaboration. The story from When Harry Met Sally grew out of their conversations about dating, sex, and friendship between men and women. Many aspects of the lead characters were actually based on their own personalities and experiences. For example, Harry shares Reiner's tendency towards cynicism and melancholy, while Sally's penchant for organization and very highly specific food orders came from Efron. To cast the film, Reiner brought in his good friend Billy Crystal, an established comedian, and paired him with Meg Ryan, an up-and-coming actress who had not yet had a leading role. While the original plan was for Harry and Sally to not end up together, it very quickly became obvious to the filmmakers that the story needed a romantic ending, even if that's not how this kind of relationship would probably work out in real life. The chemistry between Ryan and Crystal, combined with the gentle wit of Efron's script and the groundedness of Reiner's direction, resulted in a film that is generally considered to be the pinnacle of the modern rom-com. When Harry Met Sally was highly influential in the rom-com genre in its characterization and structure, both for good and sometimes for bad, but very few films have been able to copy its perfect blend of cynicism and optimism, how it gives weight to the character's conflict and heartbreak while still remaining hopeful about the possibility of lasting love. All right, I am very excited to talk about this movie. This is, um, for me, I don't know if you agree, but one of those movies for me that I watch and I'm just like, this is a perfect film. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there are things to talk about. There are things that, you know, it's interesting to consider other possibilities, but I just think this movie is, 
it's so gentle and so feel good and yet i think it's it's so well balanced and it has real things to say about the world and about the way men and women interact and the way um what it's like to to grow up and mature and and to find to develop intimacy with another person while still having that kind of very difficult to achieve lightness but yeah tatum this is a movie that I, when did I first see this? I first saw this in college, I think. I saw it with a group of friends, loved it, have rewatched it many times over the years. I don't have, I think, a really specific story about how I first watched it. I just remember that when I told my mom that I had seen it for the first time, uh, she got upset what? because she said, I always wanted to be the first one to show you when Harry met Sally. And then you went and watched it on your own. I said, I was not aware that you had that plan, but sorry. She also had like 20 years to do that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not not sure how that happened. But um, we've I think we've since watched it together and uh, she loves it. I loved it. You guys have repaired your relationship since. Uh... <laughs> yes. Yeah. We've we've repaired that rift. Didn't we've, talk for a couple of years, but they're fine now. <laughs> That's the the one Harry went Sally incident right. has uh, has been worked through yeah. in our relationship. Yeah. Anyway, has is this is a movie I, I'm pretty sure that you've seen before and that you like. Am I correct in that? Well, I mean, we've watched it together. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. This. Yeah. Yeah. I so I've seen this movie so many times that I didn't even know if I needed to watch it before this podcast recording. Which is why I was kind of like, I don't really feel like watching this movie in the summertime because it just feels weird to me. So maybe I just won't watch it because I've seen it so many times. But then I decided to watch it anyway. So yes, I've seen this movie a bunch. Um, I don't, I have no recollection of the first time I saw it all the way through. I'm sure I saw bits and pieces of it on television growing up. Um, But in terms of watching it from start to finish, I have no idea. It could have been high school. It could have been college. But yeah, this movie, um, I really like it. I think, uh, I think it definitely is at least for me personally, I think it's the the best modern romantic comedy that I've seen um, because a lot of them I feel like are just ripoffs of this in certain ways. Um, I do definitely see certain influences of Annie Hall on this movie um, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think this movie is a lot of fun. I think the aesthetic of it is really nice. Um, I've always loved the fashion and the hair. I know some people criticize certain outfits and certain hair choices for Meg Ryan's character. Um, but I like them all. I think they're really interesting. I feel like her fashion, well, I think 80s and 90s fashion is just coming back into style in general. But there's so many outfits in this movie that I was like, I could see Gen Z wearing this. And also I want to wear this. You know, she looks amazing. Well, even when it even when it wasn't in style, I liked it, though. Like even because it this type of fashion was not in like a few years ago, I would say. And I I still really liked it then. I just I feel like it's kind of timeless, in my opinion, um, except for some of the glasses. Some of the glasses are like, wow, those are <laughs> those are really dated. Those are some 80s glasses. Yeah, those yeah. are some real those, those are some frames. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoy the movie. I think the casting of Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan is perfect. I think their chemistry is palpable. Um, they feel like real people and real characters. They don't feel like let's create love interest people that will get together in the end and just put them on screen. Like they feel like actual people to me, which for me is very important when watching a romantic movie. I, they have to feel like people. They can't just feel like robots that are put there to fall in love in the end. This is one of those aspects of this movie that I, why I think it is 
so perfect and why I think it's been so influential, even though a lot of movies that have then tried to copy it have, have been so inferior, is that it it is so based on just two real-seeming people and their dynamic with each other and how that shifts over time. I sat down before we started recording and I was like, I'm going I'm to write down a couple quick thoughts about each character and kind of analyzing who I think they are, how they change. And I was just, I kept writing and kept writing and kept writing because I was just like, these are these are people who really feel three-dimensional and we do, we see them shift and grow. We see what they're like when they're young. We see how when they're older, you the the same core qualities are there and yet they've been shaped by circumstances the trying to untangle the way that they the dynamic they have with each other and the things that are um you know resulting the things that influence the way that they experience conflict with each other is so there's so much there to dig into and so many modern rom-coms i think they want to have a lot of this structure of the sort of you know three act they get together they you have a fight and break up and then at the very last minute they get back together and they have quirky side friends and you know all these sort of things that are important but are kind of superficial tropes but they don't bother to create characters who feel like actual people and they don't bother to create sources of conflict that feel like real conflict and so they just have these external obstacles that are increasingly ridiculous whereas a movie like this it is all rooted in real human um interaction and um, <clears throat> real human sources of conflict. Um, and so even though it does end in, you know, a romantic comedy ending, it feels really true to me. It feels very emotionally true. Yeah, I I would also say it was really interesting watching <laughs> watching this movie now being someone who is out and gay. I I recognized, I was like, you know... I'm not going to blame this movie, but like this movie definitely uh, contributed probably in very small ways, but contributed to me not recognizing that I was gay for a very long time. Cause I was like, look at all these close guy friends that I have one day. It'll just change and we won't be friends anymore. Like, you know, I'm like, look, it happened. And when Harry met Sally, they started as friends and then it became something else. It only took them 10 years. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know? And I was like, like all of these guy friends that I have, one of them could be the one who transforms and who knows 10 years from now we'll, we'll fall in love. And so like, it sounds silly, but this literally was a movie that in my mind I would think about and be like, no, 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 it is possible. And now I'm like, girl, what? <laughs> and so it was really interesting watching it this time around. I was like, hmm, yeah, I don't have this perspective <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, any, anyway, I just thought that that was a funny, a funny tidbit while watching this. I was like, hmm, my, uh, my perspective watching this now is, is very different. <laughs> I still appreciate it. It's a great movie, but I was like, I wonder to what degree this movie held me back and for how long. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Yeah. I feel like this does, this movie does kind of establish like maybe a little bit of an unrealistic expectation when it comes to right. friendship that could potentially turn into, yeah, something more. Maybe they should, uh, they should do a modern remake of this movie where Sally ends up with Carrie Fisher's character. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Although I do love the concept of them going on this weird double date where like they hate who they've been set up 
with it's I love it. Scene. I think it's great. It's such a good scene. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's so good. When they like run into the taxi at the end, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. We're gonna be respectful. And they're like, Taxi, I'm gonna come. And then they both just run in the taxi. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. My mom always used to quote the part where um <clears throat> Sally's like, Oh, Harry, uh Marie, you both are from New Jersey. And they're like, Oh, South Orange, Haddonfield. Okay, great. And then they just like that's yep. it. They have nothing else to say to each that's other. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, that scene is great. Anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of my relationship with this movie. I really like it. I've seen it a bunch of times. Um, I think it's one of the best, if not the best, modern romantic comedies. Feels real to me. Um, I enjoy watching it. I I don't know if I'd say I watch it once a year, but it's it's relatively often. Um, but again, never in the summertime. It was very strange watching this when it was hot outside. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. There's a lot of moments in this movie that are very funny and i really like billy crystal in this movie a lot he he like their dynamic is great but meg ryan doesn't really make me laugh she kind of makes me like ha i know that person ha is that me like kind of she is me but billy crystal is just like he just makes me laugh he's so funny he is so funny yeah rewatching this movie um after like a, a couple years you know i rewatch it fairly regularly but i don't think i'd rewatched it for a couple years it bowled me over how charming and attractive Billy Crystal is in this movie when he's not, I mean, I love Billy Crystal in all aspects, but I wouldn't say that he's like someone that I'm ordinarily physically attracted to or, but he's just so, so sweet and charming in this movie. And he's so funny. You you know, you, you do really see the two of them, why they are attracted to each other and why there is chemistry between the two of them, even though they try to deny it for so long. Yeah. My, my favorite Harry moment in this film, which happens pretty early on in the beginning of the movie, is I love the whole concept of him just being like, so why didn't you tell me the story of your life? It's <laughs> like spitting seeds out the window. And then he's like, I'll roll down the window. And I love I love the timing of when he spits the seeds because they're having this conversation. And each time that he spits the seeds out the window, it's such a specific choice to do it at that moment and it is so funny because he's just like turning his head out clearly does not care at all and it's just like uh it's like and she's just getting more and more annoyed it's it's so she's good. trying to have this whole serious conversation about i'm gonna be a journalist and i'm gonna move to this place and meet this type of person he's like uh-huh sure <laughs> it's so great like they're in two very different places at the beginning very different places <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it is funny too i'm just talking about how you know both of us really associate this movie with the fall which i think is i feel like it's just because of that one iconic shot that is the you know it's the poster it's the copy of the the cover of the dvd that i have it's the two of them in central park with the fall leaves and their you know their gorgeous sweaters and blazers and everything like that when i tend to forget that this movie takes place you know, the bulk of the present day action, it's a seasonal movie. It takes place over the course of an entire year. Right. There are two Christmases and New Year's that we experience with this movie. And yet I just think of it as a fall movie because it is, it does have that really cozy New York. Um, we're just kind of going around and we've got jackets on and it's a little bit brisk and we're, we're out doing activities. You know, it's just the perfect movie for the end of a fall day. Definitely, for sure. Yeah. Although I will say there are moments in this movie when they're walking outside and it's supposed to be cold and it's very obvious that they're not cold at all. Like there's no, there's no breath. There's no, like they don't, I'm like, okay, you're just, 
you're trying to look cold. It's not working. <laughs> it's the classic. I mean, I'm pretty sure they filmed this movie in New York, but it makes me think of the classic Gilmore Girls thing where they're like, oh, it's Connecticut. And theoretically, it's the wintertime, even though we're filming this in L.A. So we're going to put a coat on you, but you have no hat or scarf or anything mm-hmm. because we don't want you to suffocate. Yeah. But we're just going to pretend that it's the winter. And at the end, Billy Crystal's walking through Central Central Park on New Year's Eve eating an ice cream cone. I'm like, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how depressed you are, how heartbroken you are. No one's going to walk outside on New Year's Eve eating an ice cream cone. It's too cold. Maybe you'll buy ice cream and take it home and eat it at home, but you're not going to walk through Central Park. Who's selling an ice cream cone on New Year's Eve? Like, who's doing that? Excellent question. Excellent question. I did not even think That doesn't happen in Chicago, and it gets cold here in the winter. (laughs) Oh, so chaotic. Um... All right. In terms of talking through this movie, there's not a whole lot of plot, but I thought we could actually maybe go through it, attempt to go through it kind of chronologically, knowing that we're probably going to be jumping around quite a bit. Because again, this is a movie that's, it's not a whole lot of plot. It's more about two characters interacting and how their interactions change over time. But to start with, we have these um, interview segments that run throughout the film. Um, These interviews are actually, the dialogue for these interviews was taken from interviews with real couples that um, Nora Ephron and and Rob Reiner did. Um, In the end, they decided not to use footage of the real couples, and so they kind of edited the text and then took actors and filmed them um, giving the the stories about how these couples meant. But the stories themselves are real. They're from um, real people. And so at periodic points throughout the film, we will cut to one of these segments. Do you have any thoughts just to start off on the choice to include these segments? Um, it's an interesting choice. I feel like it's kind of seen it ripped off by <laughs> several other movies since then. I, I don't know if that's a you could point to an earlier example where something like this was done or if this kind of invented the idea. But yeah, any thoughts on on these to start with? Um, I actually quite like them because I think, again, kind of getting to the, um, because I think we've talked about this on this podcast before. I really do not enjoy most rom-coms, uh, because I don't relate to them. They don't feel real to me. Um, and I'm like, why I don't want to watch a love story that feels fake to me personally. Um, and this movie, like I said before, it does kind of feel more real to me. And I like the insertion of these little interviews because I feel like they give a dose of reality of, you know, the first couple I think we see is the one that's like, we met and we got married and we've been together happily for 40 years. It's like, okay, how often does that actually happen? But then the other interviews are like, oh yeah, we met, didn't think of you. And then I met someone else, got divorced and met someone else, got divorced. Then we bumped into each other. And then here we are, you know? So I liked how in the midst of this movie that is that is scripted and is fake, even though it feels real to me, it is a fake story, but I like that it has these real stories in there of like, hey, this is what real relationships actually look like. These people have been together for a long time and they've been through a lot and here they are at their old age and their stories are rocky. Like they weren't just like, oh, we fell in love and here we are other than the first couple, which I like how they start with that and kind of show other dynamics after that one. Um, so yeah, I think I think it can feel a little bit jarring sometimes in terms of like, oh, now we're doing an interview. Oh, now we're back in the movie. 
But aside from that, I, I like the addition of them. And I think there's only a few of them, and I'm glad. I think if there were more, it would have felt a bit excessive. Um, but I like them being in there. I think it's a good addition. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's a really nice way to sort of contextualize Harry and Sally's story mm-hmm. and place it within a, a larger kind of narrative or exploration about how do relationships form? And especially, I love the fact that they're all older couples and they're all couples who've been married for, or or mostly are, are couples who've been married for decades. And so that idea of what is what are the foundations, what is the story that leads to a lasting, um, I guess you can say successful marriage or, or relationship. And um, it helps us to kind of see Harry and Sally's story within that. I think... Um, I was as I was doing research before this, I, I read a review that pointed out, which I hadn't even realized because no one ever includes this, but technically the title When Harry Met Sally has an ellipses after it. It's When Harry Met Sally, dot dot dot. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that it's the beginning of a story. You know, when Harry met Sally, then what? Right. And so the ending of the story is very much this is the beginning of something for them. Mm-hmm. And so the stories of these couples kind of puts it in that context of, you know, we got married and then, you know, our story really started and we've been together for a long time and we've experienced so many things together. And I like that. I like that one of the couples is not white because this movie is so incredibly white. So white. Like, I don't know if there's really anyone in this other than that one Asian couple that is not white. And I, you know, I'm not anti-white people, but I am getting to an age now where I am starting, like, I'm looking back on the history of cinema and thinking about how cinema has changed and the movies that I want to make going forward and what I want the future of cinema to look like. I understand it was a different time, but looking back, I do get really frustrated seeing that, like, the entire historical basis of what we have seen on screen is shown through the perspective of a straight people and b white people and it just bums me out like especially after watching movies like rye lane which came out this year which is like you know two young black people falling in love i'm like it's so nice to see people of color (laughs) because people of color fall in love too you know um and yeah. So, I mean, that it's not necessarily a criticism of this movie, more so a criticism of just society in general. Um, yeah. Filmmaking, especially like New York, New York filmmaking of this, well, Hollywood of this era in general. Yeah. It's just, yeah, very much like we're going to populate this people who look just like us and not really think about the existence of other people outside of that. Yeah. So I liked that we had one couple that was not made up of white people. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. All right. So, uh, yeah. So we interview open on that one of those interview section uh, segments. Uh, but then we move and we start out with these two, um, two segments where Harry and Sally first meet in the past. Both, um, the, these two kind of bumping up against each other's that they have where it doesn't really stick so first is 1977 uh the two of them just graduated from the university of chicago they're both moving to new york and so they drive from chicago to new york together sally has this incredible huge 70s farrah fawcett (laughs) hairstyle that's like kept up with seventy thousand liters of hairspray i think it looks great 
It looks amazing. I mean, Meg Ryan. I think it looks really good. People make fun of it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was it was popular for a reason. You know, it's it's a it's a great look. Um, uh, Harry is just like you said, spitting great pits out the window. Why don't you tell me the story about your life? (laughs) (laughs) The two of them just basically argued the entire way. Um, Harry is just very like um, uh, he's very morbid. He's very proud of being all honest about the dark sides of life and mm-hmm. you know asking questions about sex and um and uh, Sally is very sort of like you know idealistic she's very that's none of your business <laughs> mm-hmm. she's very like yeah I'm a cheerful person that's okay that doesn't mean I'm any less deep than you and um, and he always goes like Okay. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> they're just, they're such different people. And it is fun seeing how from the very first, it's not like they sort of, their differences cause them to just have an awkward, silent drive. Their differences immediately cause them to clash and spar and talk and discuss ideas. Like their differences are bringing them together. But it's just at first, mm-hmm. it just causes them to hate each other and... By the end of the trip, they never want to speak to each other again. But in this, this trip is so important because it does bring up some topics of conversation that later get developed. Um, obviously, the big one being Harry talking, giving his grand theory about how men and women can never be friends because sex gets in the way. And Sally's like, that's not true. I have lots of men friends. And he's like, yeah, they all want to have sex with you, though. Um, they talk a bit about Casablanca and Sally's like, yeah, I would not stay with Humphrey Bogart. I would get on the plane. Like, women are practical. That would... You know, that's how they're all going to react to that. And then he and then he's like, well, that's because you've never yeah. had any good sex in your life, <laughs> which I think is so, is so funny. funny. And she's like, of course, I've had good sex. And then like everyone in the diner stares at her. He's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> yeah. Can can I just say that this is something that I think about every single time I watch this movie, because I feel like it could have been an easy fix and I don't know why they did it this way. But the fact that they went to University of Chicago, University of Chicago is like on the south side of the city, south side. And then the scene where they're driving down Lakeshore Drive, leaving Chicago, they're coming down from the north side. And I'm like, that bothers me. They could have had them go to Northwestern, which is up on the north side. And then that would have made sense. Why did they do you Chicago, which is south? And then they're driving. Like, for me as a Chicagoan, I'm like, I don't understand that choice. And other people might not know that that doesn't make sense. But for me, I'm like, come on, guys. Come on. Like, what are you doing? That is hilarious. <laughs> I lived in Chicago for five years, and yet I totally did not even catch that. Yeah. it's. But yeah, that's annoying. I love how I actually really only picked up on how I thought this was weird this time around. Not weird, but just like, huh, that's interesting. When they get to New York, Sally just like drops him off at Central Park to walk with his bags. Mm-hmm. No, it's um, it's Washington Square is where she drops him off. I'm like, you're, so wh- like, where is he got? Like, what? Does he not have an apartment that you could drop him off at? Like, what's going on? I'm assuming he has pre-arranged housing around there, but it is really funny how they're just like, all right, 
Bye forever. I mean, they clearly the, were just like, oh, we want to show this part of New York on screen. And so we'll have them drop him off there. I'm like, OK, sure. It looks cool. But practically in the real world, you're not just going to be like, OK, walk to where you live from here. It's like you would drop them off at home. But whatever. I do have to say it is very funny to me that Sally has like an entire backseat of her car is filled with things. She's got a trunk strapped to the roof. Harry apparently has like one duffel bag. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I yeah. I I really love how their relationship is established in the beginning. Oh, and talking about themes that are kind of continued. This is the first time we see her ordering food. And it's like, I want this on the side and da 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 da. And the waitress is like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. <laughs> and oh, Harry's well, that's like, a person of color, the waitress. Oh, that's true. A, a person in a role of service. Gotta Not love it. New York, but you know, <clears throat> yeah. And Harry's looking at her like she's nuts. We also have the moment where Harry starts talking about how he finds Sally attractive, and she interprets that as a come on and is really offended by it. Which I'm very curious. What your do you think he intended that as a come on? Like once she interprets no. it that way, then he seems to be very like, yeah, sure, whatever. We'll we'll talk about that, but. I don't think he intended that no. originally as a come on. I don't think he did at all. I think he was just like being hairy. He's like, why yeah, can't I just... I say whatever comes to my mind. I see you're of... attractive. So I say you are attractive. <laughs> you know, he just he just says things. And then I think when he sees that she's upset, he likes that she's upset and he just keeps pushing her buttons because she's so easy. She's like... Pushing her buttons and making her upset is, like, really easy to do. She's so easy to so, get upset. Yeah, I think he just runs with it and has fun. But I don't yeah. think he meant it as any sort of, like, oh, I want to, as they say in this movie over and over again, get get you into bed. Or I'm like, stop saying, you went to bed with him? You went to bed with her? Get into bed. I'm like, this just sounds like your grandmothers from 1850 who don't know how to talk about sex. I don't know if that was a common way to refer to it uh, when this movie was made, but it feels ancient to me. I love the part when uh, when she's like, they're having their fight later on, um, and he accuses her of not having slept with anyone since Joe, and she's like, what? It'll show that I'm over him because I fucked someone? And like she, it's like very specific moment mm-hmm. for her to use that word. And then she like kind of modifies it, and she's like, I will make love when it is making love. Like that's... It says so much about who Sally is that she has these different categories for sex and how you speak about it. And, um, you know, for her, sex is a very different, you know, there's the way that Harry does it and there's the way that she does it. And she doesn't want to give up her standards for mm-hmm. what what it is. You know, yeah. <clears throat> um, just very briefly, then we have the second meeting that they have in 1982 at an airport where they're on the same flight going back to New York or no, I think they're leaving New York. Um because, yeah, because Joe is there to see Sally off. She's with this guy, Joe. They've only been together a month. The fact that they say, I love you, and then we find out that they've been together a month. I, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's, to me personally, that seems fast, not judging people who say it that quickly. But I like how it's established, like, oh, I love you. And then we find out after the fact, how long have you been together? Four weeks. <laughs> yeah. No, I 100% agree. I think it says a lot about Sa- Sally. Joe says it first, is- which I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it says I think it says a lot about the relationship that the two of them had, that they are so quick to get together. Sally's very, you know, as she often is, very sort of starry-eyed and optimistic about it. Um, so, yeah, they, they meet at the airport. Harry, at, it's kind of funny, Harry doesn't recognize her right at first, but then he does. 
but he doesn't say anything. And Sally is like all she can't remember the name of the friend that Harry had been dating. Mm-hmm. And then she later does. And then when Harry immediately can't remember the name, she's all How like, oh, dare you? didn't remember that name. But then she was, well, you went with her. I'm like, stop you. <laughs> what stop what are these with her. phrases? Stop it. Ugh. Yeah. So they sit together on the plane. Harry continues to annoy Sally, but we see Harry has changed somewhat. He's now engaged to this woman named Helen and He's he talks about how he's fallen deeply in love. And so his sort of initial, you know, very cynical attitude toward relationships seems to have softened a bit. He's he's now revealed that he is capable of falling in love, um, which Sally is a little bit a little bit shocked by. Well, it was interesting because when I when I watched this movie and when we're first introduced to the concept that Harry is engaged, to me it almost kind of seems like something where he's just doing it because it's what you're supposed to do. Just kind of something where it's like, okay, I'm sick of dating and this person seems like a good enough fit. Like it's fine. I'll do it, whatever. But then we find out later that he actually is genuinely upset when their relationship is over. And so I don't know if their love grew over time or if he was just kind of not fully letting on how much he cared about Helen in the beginning. But I think it's really interesting how when we first find out about him being engaged, at least the way that I read it, it seems very kind of flippant of just, okay, yeah, this is what you do. But then when the relationship is over, he's clearly heartbroken. Yeah, I think, so my read on Harry as a character is that his tendency towards cynicism is very much a self-protective mm-hmm, totally. um, response to the fact that he is a very he's a romantic, romantic person. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. a romantic. Yeah. And so I think I think he has genuinely fallen in love with Helen, but his he doesn't know how to like fully commit to expressing that. And so his kind of natural reaction is to say like, yeah, I've fallen in love. Also, I'm just I'm just tired of dating and I'm tired of the whole thing. I'm tired of knowing needing not knowing how long to hold a woman after sex. Like he doesn't feel comfortable at this point expressing <clears throat> the idea that he just is in love with someone and wants to be in a committed full-time long-term relationship with her you know he feels like he needs to fall back on that kind of like let me be a little bit too honest and a little bit a little bit too flippant and let me try and continue to put push sally's buttons because i know that this is a thing that's gonna um unsettle and upset her um kind of a thing yeah and i think that's what keeps them apart for so long i feel like they fall into this place of in my opinion harry and sally are both very romantic people but i think they both are romantic to the same depth and they both are like oh no that like we're both so romantic that it scares me the concept of getting together with you and so because harry establishes this relationship early on of like oh well I actually you know I'm going to distance myself or whatever I think that they both kind of use that as an excuse going forward as like oh well we don't actually get along in that way because blah 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 even though they both know we're just in my opinion we're just using that as an excuse because we are terrified that if we get together like we're both going to fall so deeply in love that it's going to be almost scary, you know? Mm -hmm. And I find it interesting that in my opinion, that's just what, what keeps them apart for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Absolutely. I think they're, um, they, what I, one thing that I really love about this movie too, and it's something that I kept thinking about on this rewatch is how much this movie is just about the idea of 
growing up, you know, even as an individual within yourself and how you change and mature over time. And even though the core of your personality stays the same, the way that you use those traits, the way you interact with the world softens and changes over time. And so when Harry and Sally first meet versus when how they are at the very end of the movie, the essential parts of them don't change, but they become less strident. They become less sure of like, you know, their own righteousness. They become more tolerant of an understanding of how the two of them are different and how they can, um, you know, they each can see value in the different traits of each other. They um, have tolerance for each other's kind of weaknesses and flaws. And it it really is a movie about how as you become more mature, then the things that um, may have separated you from other people can actually become sources of you know, the things that bring you together and sources of strength for a relationship. And I think that also speaks to a dynamic that I see in the film of, again, comparing this to other romantic comedies that I've seen. This isn't a movie, in my opinion, where the main character, they are being defined by their love interest. I feel like we see them becoming their own people on their own terms. And this person happens to be having the same experience at the same time. And they're kind of in each other's space while that happens whether it's like they're seeing each other a few years later or once they are kind of consistently in each other's lives I think there is definitely this this theme of they are like Sally is not defined by how Harry sees her and Harry isn't and Harry is not defined by how how Sally sees him they both are on their own journey and they happen to be there for each other in the process and I think that that is a lot more human than, you know, oh, we met, I like you, we don't really change much, and, like, the end, you know? Um, aside from one fight where it's like, oh, I don't like you, and then we're back to where we were before, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I one learn one little pat lesson about myself, and I change in this one little specific way, and then we are perfect for each other. Right. And it's just very flat and one-dimensional yeah which is not what this movie is yeah I also really like how in this movie we are able to see that they I mean they, they talk about this kind of almost very obviously in the or overtly in the baseball scene where they're kind of hitting the the baseballs in the batting cages but um this whole concept of Harry and Sally, at least for me as a viewer, it really feels like they are able to fully be themselves when they are with each other. Because, you know, we see Sally with her friend and we see Harry with his friend. And obviously, like, they're able to be themselves there. But I feel like with each other, like, for example, I feel like the scene where <laughs> where Sally is faking having an orgasm at a restaurant, I feel like she would only feel comfortable enough to do a joke like that with someone like Harry or Harry would only feel comfortable doing the paprikash thing like in you know and I really like that concept of at least for me it feels pal palpable that when they are with each other they are able to really be themselves and appreciate each other for that and obviously we see the negative sides of that too not just the positive cutesy sides um but yeah, I don't know. I just really like their relationship. It's cool. Yeah, I agree. And like, you know, we'll talk, we, we can talk a little bit more about the, the diner scene when we get to it too. But it, that's also such an, um, a, a moment that shows how much Sally has grown because it mm. is kind of a direct yeah. corollary to that diner scene 
in the earlier segment in, in 1977 where uh, Harry's trying to talk to her about sex and she's all embarrassed about it and she feels kind of, you know, she's awkward. She doesn't really want to want to say too much. She doesn't want to acknowledge like darker sides to it or, or less than perfect aspects of the sex that she's had. Whereas in this in that later scene, she is very much she's willing to get on Harry's level and talk she about She does not care. She does not care. Yeah, at she's all. like I'm willing to talk about, you know, you talked about how men can be deceptive when they have sex and not really say what they're thinking. Women do the same thing and let me show you in an extremely public and embarrassing way that I would not have done ten years earlier. But now I feel I'm mature enough and I feel comfortable enough with you that I can go there. Yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool dynamic seeing how in that first diner scene we have her saying, I've had plenty of good sex and then everything goes quiet and everyone's staring at her <laughs> so funny. and she's like, yeah. uh, and then in this scene, every, again, like everyone's looking at her, but she's like, yeah, whatever. It's, it's the same concept, except this time she doesn't care <laughs> and she goes way farther with it that second time, second time around. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so much appreciation, by the way. We've already complimented Billy Crystal, but I think Meg Ryan is just, even though she has, like, I, I think she's she's also equally brilliant in this movie, especially considering this this is her first leading role. She's she's so funny, and she's playing a role that could very easily, like, in other rom-coms, there is that kind of stereotype of the uptight blonde woman who just needs to relax. And- she could be really annoying. Like, there was a lot of potential for her to be annoying. Mm-hmm. But she's not. She's so, I find her so charming and endearing. All of her sort of flaws and foibles are just very, they feel very real. And the way that she sort of represses her emotion i mean a i find very relatable but also when she let later lets it out like it doesn't feel forced at all it just feels all of a piece of this this one very complex woman and um obviously she's brilliant in that <laughs> orgasm scene like doing the thing itself which is difficult to do and <laughs> would be difficult to do as an actor um and then just the way immediately afterwards she's just like smiles picks up her she's fork, proofed her point eating Yep, it's yep. the the look of appreciation on Harry's face where he's like, "All right, you you proved your point. All right, I I can see it." Yeah, um, it's so good. I also love how he kind of, I, I like he appreciates what she's doing. Like he he's mm-hmm. in on the joke because I feel like yeah. if I was sitting there and someone was doing that, I would be like, "Oh my gosh." please stop. And if you don't stop, I'm leaving. Like, this is really, you know, I mean, you do, you do you, but don't bring me into this. And and in the beginning, he's like, are you okay? You know? But then as it goes on, he's clearly just like, well, all right, I'm just going to sit here and wait for it to happen. Yep. It's happening and uh, it'll end at some point. So like, I'll just wait it out. But I, I, he, he likes it. Like he's in on the joke. I think he truly has a new level of respect yes. for, for Sally yeah. afterwards. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which honestly, like, so do I. <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. Um, yeah. And just for like to, um, I just want to make sure we don't skip over this one point that I wrote down in my notes here. It's just, it's another quote from, uh, so from that scene when uh, Harry and Sally, when they've gotten off the plane and they're kind of walking on the moving, the moving walkway or whatever, I wrote down this one, this one quote that is just so, it's so dramatic where Sally goes, it's funny, you look like a normal person, but you're actually the angel of death. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) 
that that is she is so dramatic that is so dramatic (laughs) and he's just like well okay (laughs) it is yeah it is really funny too because um at the end of that scene as they're they're getting off the plane harry asks her to dinner as a friend and she's like well what did you say about men and women can't be friends and he's like oh no that's ridiculous i didn't mean that at all Except, of course, yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, actually, that would cause a lot of complications. And so he ends up right back where he started with yeah. men and women can't be friends. Yeah, so maybe like, we okay, shouldn't goodbye. get dinner. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so then moving into the present day then. So we have the um, Harry and Sally finally do meet again and actually become friends this time. So we, we start, we intru- we're introduced to the two of them. It's interesting in how you say day. present day as if you think it's flashbacks. I, I well, don't like see first... it as present day. I see it as like every sequence is present day. We're just moving forward in time. Moving through the narrative. Yeah, I guess that's, that's interesting how you see it as flashbacks versus present day. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you take the ending of um, this whole movie has been the story of them in their, the documentary format telling the story of how they met, then it would be all flashbacks. But yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So in 1988. <laughs> Let's break that down. What does that psychologically yeah. mean that your what brain that processed mean? it one way right. and mine did it another way? <laughs> How are we interpreting this? Yeah. Differently? Anyway, in 1988, um, I think it's 88 or maybe it's 89. But anyway, in the late 80s. Um, so we're reintroduced to Harry and Sally when they've both just broken up with their partners. So Marie is kind of talking with her friends about how she just broke up with Joe. She keeps insisting that she's fine. Um, there's this amazing moment where Marie pulls out a, f- who's played by Carrie Fisher, who's brilliant in this movie. She pulls out a full Rolodex of just yes. men that she wants to introduce to her friends. Basically and a dating when- app. Let's be honest. <laughs> I need a Marie in my life. I think we all need a Marie in my life. <laughs> the moment where someone tells her that this man that she's suggesting is married, she just, she folds She folds it. Like she has a and system. And then she puts it back. She has a system. Yes. She's not going to take it out completely. Nope. She's like, that could change. But yeah. she just folds the corner. And let's, go, let's make note of that and move on. <laughs> There's also, I love this. I heard once that this scene was originally, um, I like Billy Crystal, I think, was like going to be hosting SNL. And he, this was like an idea of a, a, a scene that could be an SNL skit and then it didn't work and then they decided to put this into the movie. Don't quote me on that, but the scene where Harry and his friend Jess are discussing the fact that Harry's getting a divorce and it's just the most depressing scene alive because it's like (laughs) Helen's been cheating on him this whole time. She already called the movers, you know, she's with another guy and then they're at a baseball game and they have to keep standing up to do the wave. Yep. And it's so funny. It's so dark, but it's so funny. Yeah. I I really like that. I mean, it sounds terrible, but I really like getting to see that side of Harry, you know, where he's not this chipper, cracking jokes type of guy. It's like he feels very... I feel like for me, this is in the movie when he really starts to be... I start to see him as a a, a well-rounded person as opposed to just this guy who cracks jokes all the time. Because I think as the movie goes on, we do see more and more depths to the to his character. But for me, this is when I feel like it really begins, you know, because he's older. He's not he's not a child anymore. He's he's been through some life. He's had some experiences. And so his perspective on what adult life looks like is is changed. And I think it's more evolved. And we really start to see that here. And I obviously I don't like to see anyone depressed and heartbroken absolutely not but um I just like that we're getting to know him more and see different sides of him here 
Yeah, absolutely. Like when we when we're first introduced to him in 1977, he keeps bragging about how how much time he spends thinking about death every day. Mm-hmm. He's so morbid about it. And yet when we meet him again later, he there is a real sadness and tragedy to what he has experienced, but he's so much more quite like he's not repressing it, he's not silent about it, but he is also he's dealing with it you yeah, know it's he's an processing ongoing process it. yeah but mm-hmm. yeah um also, also just a word of sorry oh, go ahead <laughs> i don't know maybe we're both about to say the same thing i'm not sure but i just think that like shout it out to like jess as a friend like 10 out of 10 great friend you know he's i mean marie too but yeah i think i just think he's a great friend and how supportive he is and all that so yeah. Yeah. We're right on the same page. I was just going to say shout out to, to, to both Jess and Marie, actually. I love them as best friend characters. Like every rom-com has the best friend characters. They're a little bit quirkier than the lead characters. Sometimes they have their own romance plots, but Jess and Marie or Jess and Marie are just, again, they, they're quirkier, but they do feel like real people. And it feels like they would actually be friends. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. They're supportive, but you can tell they also have their own lives. And I love their the relationship they have with each other. I mean, we, we, we're not going to get to that for a bit, but I love the fact that they end up together and they seem like they could work well together. And I'm, I'm really rooting for them. So. And just in terms of the four of them as a friend group, I love that freaking scene with the, with the coffee table and and like they all clearly yes. hate it, but they all say it in different ways. And then it mm-hmm. ends with Jess just taking the taking it outside. <laughs> He's like, don't say anything. <laughs> but I love that dynamic. Oh, I think it's such a great such a great scene that like shows all of fo- all four of them together as friends. And it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It's it's very, again, kind of, it feels very real, but at the same time, it is kind of aspirational. Like, who wouldn't want to be, you know, in their early 30s in New York with such a close-knit group of friends who are just truly supportive and there for you? Um, it's just, yeah, it's just something we all want. All right. So Harry and uh, Sally reconnect. Um, they randomly bump into each other at a bookstore. Um, I love how Sally is like, oh, that guy. Yeah, I hate that guy. And then they start talking and they just like immediately click and they immediately yep. go on to go to dinner and then yep. they're walking through the park and they're just, yeah, they're just immediately all of a sudden find that the chemistry is there and they can just kind of really be honest about something. I love the monologue that Sally gives again with Meg Ryan being a, a really underrated actress I think where she talks about why it is that she and Joe broke up and this how originally they were so excited about this idea that being um, not married and being childless they have all this freedom and then her just realizing actually I feel trapped in the pattern of this relationship and there's something else that I want and this guy can't give it to me um, it's a really really beautiful monologue and it's it's very well delivered I think don't we also get that quote there where Sally and Harry both end up saying that maybe we we are more in love with the idea of them than we were actually with them as a person? And then Harry's like, yeah, maybe me too. And then he's like, no, actually, I was in love with Helen. And I find it interesting that we have that realization where Sally's admitting, I actually don't. I think it might have just been the idea, but Harry's the opposite. He's like, no, I actually loved Helen. I think that might have been the sequence... Um, but I thought that that was 
I don't know. I just thought that that was interesting, kind of hearing about them being honest about their relationships and how they actually felt about them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. I don't remember if that's, I think you're right that that's in that sequence, although I I don't remember specifically, but, but yeah, they, um, they decide to be friends. Harry (laughs) apologizes for being obnoxious when they first meet, which is very cute. What's the statute of limitation on apologies? 10 years. Oh, I can just get it under the wire. I, I actually, maybe this is just me. I don't think he was that obnoxious when they first met. If anything, I think she was more obnoxious. Like if I met him, I would be like, oh, this guy's funny. I want to sit in a car with you and crack jokes. I don't think he was obnoxious. I just think that he was not communicating in a way that she appreciated at the time. Yeah. But I don't see him as being obnoxious. He was kind of intentionally pushing her buttons. Although if someone spit if someone spit seeds on my window, I'd be like, okay, we're pulling over and you're cleaning it right now. But aside from that, I thought he was kind of funny. Well, I think it, it, if nothing else, it shows that he has matured to the point where he realizes, if I want to have a friendship with this woman, I'm going to need to apologize. <laughs> yes. And it works. Yeah. Um, also, one random thing to note that I'm curious about your thoughts. Sally is the one who first asks Harry to dinner, and then he says, oh, are we becoming friends now? And she has this look on her face like she's a little bit confused. I'm very curious, is your interpretation of that scene that she's like, oh, I never thought I would become friends with this person, but I guess we are. Or is your interpretation of the scene, which I'm kind of inclined toward, but I don't know if you agree with this, that she was actually asking him out on a date. And when he interprets it as friendship, she kind of has to like quickly mentally reevaluate and then goes along with it. But her original intention was for it to be a date. That's how I read it too. Yeah, because one question that I have overall in this movie is, at what point do you think that they fall in love? Or are is it, like, in what even do we mean when we say that they have fallen in love? Because, like, the way that they grow in intimacy and caring about each other and being involved in each other's lives and considering the thoughts and feelings of the other person, like, I think it's this kind of slow process, but it, clearly the attraction, I think, between the two of them has been there from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say... There's a difference between wanting to go on a date with somebody and falling in love with somebody. Because I think think they both wanted to go on dates pretty early on. But I think in terms of falling in love, it came a lot later for both of them. Like, I think at this moment when, in, in my opinion, it sounds like yours too, the way that we're reading it, when she's a little disappointed by him saying no, I don't think she's in love with him at that point. I think she's just like, oh, I'm interested and I would want to like get to know you more type of thing. I don't think he's at that point yet. Well, maybe. I don't know. Well, I think it's like she's at the point where she's she thinks she's over Joe, even though she's not. Um, But she's thinking in terms of, all right, well, maybe I should be moving on to the next one, like Marie says. And so when Harry intrigues her, that's a possibility that's open in her mind, whereas Harry is very much in this sort of closed off I've just, I'm divorcing this woman that I love and still love, even though she doesn't want to be married anymore. And so I'm not thinking in terms of any sort of lasting relationship or or something like that. And so, and this woman, you know, Sally has always, we've always clashed with each other. So he's only thinking of it in terms of friendship. Um, And so that's kind of the pattern that is then set for their relationship for the next year. Right. Um, yeah, so then Harry and Sally become friends. Um, they hang out all the time. They're constantly 
They're doing chores with each other. They're eating dinner together. This is such, it's such a situation ship. I can't. I'm like, guys, I get, <laughs> all right. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like either do it or don't do it. Otherwise, y'all are wasting time. But we've all been there. And it's like, all right. <laughs> I mean, it's, re- it's really sweet. Like, obviously, their friendship is great and it's beautiful. But mm-hmm. it definitely is something where, like, if this was the real world, this sort of stuff happens all the time. And it's like, y'all are, this is a really close friendship that either needs to be more or it needs to stop. Because someone's going to get real hurt because you guys won't say how you feel. <laughs> like in this movie, it plays out pretty well, but in reality, it's like y'all need to figure out what this is. Yeah. <laughs> I am not, I, I am, I am speaking from experience. Yep. Yep. They, these, these talks, eventually they need to happen, which actually we should probably talk more at some point. We don't need to do it now, but about that idea of can men and women be friends? Cause it's uh. funny about this movie is like, in a, in a, I don't think this movie is making a definitive statement on that. Like, I don't think that's the central theme of this movie. The central theme of this movie is about these two specific people and the relationship they have with each other. But the movie does kind of reinforce the idea that, no, they cannot be friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I, I don't think that's necessarily true, but I think it's most usually what ends up happening. Um, Again, anyway. my my read on that topic is very different now that I'm recognizing mm-hmm. that I'm gay <laughs> like if we were talking about this a few years ago my answer would be very different than it is right I know, now I know well Tatum you've you've always been the person who like has so many guy friends and you're like yeah I can be friends with them yeah and, and now and, I know why and now you're like yeah <laughs> no wonder sex never got in the way <laughs> because yeah anyway <laughs> but but yeah so my my read on that is very different like if I look at it through like if I take that same concept but apply it to someone who's homosexual like myself, I mean, you know, I can be friends with women. Mm. You and I are friends. It's not romantic yeah. at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, but I do understand a little bit more the concept of like, I don't know if that's a factor that is like out in the open. I could see how that makes things more complicated. Whereas before I was like, nah, it's easy. <laughs> like, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't understand why everyone can't do this. I don't understand why this is an issue. <laughs> Um, yeah, (laughs) it's really funny. Um, anyway, so yeah, there's like a kind of a montage of their friendship. I really love the scene of the two of them talking on the phone while watching Casablanca in their own, (laughs) in their own homes. It's just very sweet. It's like a watch party like we have now. Yeah. 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 It's very, this is the 1980s version of things that people are still doing now. Yep. Um, still doing now as if this is like ancient times. (laughs) Um, I love when Harry gives Sally his theory of, um, high maintenance versus low maintenance people and how Sally yes. is the worst kind because she's high maintenance but she thinks she's low maintenance. I actually agree like, with that. I actually agree with that. And he he I mean he's he's so perfectly pegged Sally. Like he's he's absolutely correct. Yeah. Which is very funny. Um <clears throat> out of out of curiosity, am I high maintenance or low maintenance? <laughs> I love how shocked. Well how, I've like, never thought about you in that way. Um I would say you're pretty darn low maintenance. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, not that in what, not that one is better than the other. No, I mean, in what way would you even be a high maintenance? Like, I don't think you're high maintenance at all. I think you're kind of like, yeah, I'll I'll eat whatever, I'll do whatever. Yeah. Well, I I I don't assert myself. I feel like I relate to Sally in certain ways about the way that she deals with her emotions, but at the same time, I don't assert myself in. I'm not the like I need things the way that they I need them, and yeah. 
I will give the waitress 10,000 modifications to my order because I want it the way I want it. Like, that's not me. I don't think suppressing emotions makes someone high maintenance. No. (laughs) Yeah. No, I... No, I just mean I... Yeah. No, I... I relate to Sally in that, but not necessarily in the... No, I don't think you're high maintenance. I think... I think I'm more high maintenance out of the two of us, but even so, I don't think oh, I'm that high maintenance either. No, I was. I We're both pretty low maintenance, maintenance well. people. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So we just have a lot of scenes of the, the two of them interacting and becoming friends. They discuss their <laughs> Sally's like sex fantasy, where like the guy oh just my gosh, and then that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, and he's like, this is the one sex fantasy you've been having your entire life. Yep, sometimes I change it up. How? What I'm wearing? (laughs) It's so funny. like, okay. And he's just like, okay. (laughs) Well, that's like his thing that he does in in their relationship. She just says things that are, that kind of confuse him, but he's like, of course. And his response is just, all right. I know. It's again, it's just it's so sweet the way that he responds to her once he's like a, like accepted the fact that she is this very particular person. She has these very she's very set in her ways in certain ways. Um she's has these all these quirks and and things. And once he's accepted that, he's just like all right. All right. Yep. All right. It's all good. <laughs> you know, he'll push back. He'll make make fun sometimes, but you know, he's just kind of accepted that she is who she is, which is very sweet. Um <clears throat> There's again that scene of them in the museum where he just starts doing this goofy voice. And I've decided along, and we are going so to talk cute. like this for the rest so of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you can really just tell in that scene they've already started to fall in love with each other, yep. in my opinion. Um, and then when he asks the- if she has a hot date and he says yes, like the the clear disappointment on his eyes. Oh, and he's like, no, no, I so think that's awkward. great for you. Yeah. Which I genuinely think he is happy for yeah. her. But also the disappointment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just this really awkward moment. And like she feels awkward bringing it up with him. She's like, I'm not sure how you're going to react. But he's then so immediately supportive of it. Um, you know, they are really, really trying to make this friendship work. Is is the montage that happens in this movie, does it lead up to this moment or does it happen later? There's like a montage of them just walking around and doing a bunch of different things. I think that's this moment. It's I mean, right there before might be another this, one right? Later, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is, um, there's the great Harry and, and Jess are like, you know, they're hitting baseballs and Harry's talking about how much he appreciates having this friendship with Sally because he has this woman's perspective in his life then. And I love the fact that that's the scene right before the diner because it's then immediately like, oh, this is how Sally contributes to his life is showing him these things about the woman, the female perspective that he would not have known in the most Sally way possible. Yep. (laughs) And this incredibly iconic scene where she... He doesn't believe the that women have ever faked orgasms with him. And she's like, well, it do like you do the math. <laughs> yeah, you do the math thing is so funny. I mean, because um, it is true. It's like every man says it and it's never happened. And every woman says they've done it at least once. So you do the math. You do the math. Yep. And she does it and she does it so convincingly. And the entire diner is looking at her. OK, um, I have a question. If mm-hmm. this were to happen in real life. Would they get kicked out? Like, I feel like they would probably get kicked out. Someone would probably come over and interrupt them and then kick them out, right? 
I feel I like, don't know if they would get interrupted, but I feel like how would one respond? The moment after it, the moment after the camera cuts in real life, the manager would walk over to them and say, "You must leave. You're gonna have to leave." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I feel like because I mean it's funny for a movie, but I'm like in real life, you know, be so what if there's kids? Like it's just you know, yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but of course, you get that amazing. Uh, line from the, yep. the female extra who i believe is uh rob reiner's mother in real life that oh. is hilarious i know that's funny great. i'll have what she's having yep uh absolutely iconic um let's see so we've got christmas and new year's they're getting a tree um they dance together I also and i love that mm-hmm. whole that that idea that we see them getting a christmas tree together and then the next year mm-hmm. she's getting it by herself And just like how they're able to, I don't know, just kind of having him not be there to help her and just having that, um, just that comparison and that, yeah, Mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting how they added that in there. Nice little detail. Yeah. Yeah. Nice way to mark the passage of time and also mark, you know, how they're experiencing the, the seasons and the holiday season with each other versus without each other. Um, there's that moment at the party where they're dancing and as they spin around you can see on their face like mm-hmm. this is kind of the first time they've been in such close proximity with each other and they're not quite sure how to feel about it and then the ball drops and everyone's kissing and they're like they kind of qu- kiss awkwardly very quickly and then they're like hugging and they're like yeah yeah it's it's fine it's fine uh, but you can tell there's something else y'all need to talk about what this is y'all need to just make out anyway yeah because then after this, I think we have like the the game night or whatever, and then they're both dating other people, and it's just like this this isn't working. Th- this is not working. <laughs> stop trying to stop trying stop avoiding this. <laughs> I know. Well, immediately after that, according to my notes, I, I could have left something out, but I think pretty quickly after that is when Sally and Harry try to set Jess and Marie up with uh, like Sally try wants to set up Marie with Harry, and then Harry's trying to set Jess up with Sally um, as a sort of like oh we just want to stay in each other's lives and so if we can get our best friends to be with this other person then we can everything will be great um but it doesn't work and jess and marie hit it off with each other instead also as i was one of my notes says is jess's character because he's a journalist and he writes for the new york magazine and that's something that he and marie start talking about is he the prototype for greg kinnear's character and you've got mail do you remember have you seen you've got mail I have seen parts of it once a very long time ago. Gotcha. Just, you've got Mail, which, of course, is another Nora Ephron movie. Greg Kinnear's character is this writer for a magazine. Might also be New York Magazine, but he's just very, you know, he's he's nice. He's also a little bit pretentious when it comes to his own work. Um, he gets very excited when other people start quoting his work, and it just reminded me of, anyway, not important. Yeah, I did find it a little bit strange that the reason they hit it off is because this guy was like, oh, you're... You admire my work? I'm like, okay, cool. If that's what gets you guys together, I guess that's fine. But I don't know. I feel like if if I met someone and they were like, oh my gosh, I love your films. I'd be like, okay, do you see me as a person though? Or like, am I just famous to you? You know, I mean, not that I'm going to be a freaking famous filmmaker, but like if theoretically I was, I don't know. I, it would, it, I wouldn't. My first reaction wouldn't be, oh, my gosh, this is a good, like, we're really hitting it off. It's just kind of like, oh, it's a fan that's admiring me. 
<laughs> I mean, obviously they have other connections and we learn that as time goes on, yeah. but I find it interesting that their first thing is like, oh, you like my writing? And she's like, yeah. yes. Well, it's right. It's also, I think, right after too, where like Jess is trying to talk to Sally about his work and Sally is so uninterested. Yeah, she does so not care. That Marie, yeah. The fact that Marie shows interest, he's like, oh, you know, he's a little bit perked up. Someone's willing to flatter my ego. This is great. And then. Yeah. She likes him. He likes her. And they speed off in a taxi to immediately, presumably, have sex. And um, that's that's their relationship. And again, I just I love the two of them together. Um, after that is when we have their housewarming. So it, it cuts to four months later. Um, oh, um, Harry is. Well, we first have that scene where Harry and Sally are trying to shop for gifts for them. And they're doing karaoke in the middle of the store. And it's really adorable. Sally is tone deaf, which is hilarious. Um, Harry is just like, it, he's like the most playful we've ever seen him. Like he's so, like his mind is just complete, completely light and free. And he's just making jokes and having fun. And then Helen walks up and it's just a big record scratch. And he's just so like immediately bowled over. He can't speak. Um Helen is really pretty, by the way, and um, well, she's clearly well, maybe not clearly, but mm -hmm. my gut is that maybe she's a gold digger. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, it looks. I like mean, the she man found, she's with yeah. is like is much older, um, well dressed. You, like you, you don't know, but it it very well could be like this older, wealthier man. And this is not my husband. Honestly, me. like no shame to gold diggers. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Like, I understand. I don't want to shame anyone here who may or may not, like, you know. I feel comfortable shaming someone who, uh, like, well, not shaming, but, like, I will feel comfortable saying that it's not good to cheat on and then subsequently um, divorce in the most painful and personally devastating way possible someone who has done nothing to you for the sake of someone who's a little bit wealthier. Well, we don't know necessarily that she left him for this guy who's standing next to her. Could yeah, be a actually, different that's person. a good point. We know she left him for someone else, but yeah. we don't know if this is necessarily the same person. Yeah. That is true. Anyway, I, I think the movie is suggesting that the person she's with now is wealthier than Harry was. Whether that's the only reason she's with him or not, we don't know. But yeah, yeah. we don't know. Um, but anyway, Harry takes it very hard. And then we have that scene at Jess and Marie's apartment, um, which is such a great scene. The whole thing about how, um, like, Harry is so quiet, and then he just starts bursting out with this whole long speech about how all relationships are doomed, and you need to put your name in your, all your books because you think you won't, but someday you're going to be fighting over $8 plates that you hate. And um, I love how everyone, like what you said earlier about this friend group and how they're all so tight. They none of them really take it personally. They all like Sally, Sally's just like he just ran into Helen. They're all immediately like, oh, okay, okay, you know. Yeah. Like they they understand that he's in a dark place, and um, he doesn't really like he means, but you know, he doesn't mean it in a like mean or personal way. What he's saying, um, but yeah, it's hard. And then Sally follows him outside, and then they have a whole fight about how like he feels so devastated by the end of his relationship, and yet Sally never seems to care about the end of her relationship with joe and he like feels like she's too robotic and she's like well just because i haven't been sleeping with everyone in new york doesn't mean i'm not upset um yeah i i like that that fight that they have i feel like it's a it's an essential fight for 
the two of them to kind of bring to bring it out into the open some some of the ways that they're the the very different ways that they're processing things and how they each have their perception of how the other person is processing it um yeah i don't know do you have any thoughts about that that scene or the fight that they have or anything like that i mean i feel like we've talked a little bit about it already um but yeah i i find it interesting how we see you know the 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 two different ways that they process you know heartbreak and things like that and I feel like they're both kind of attacking each other in ways that they know are going to cut deep here. I mean, they're not being super, super like dirty in the way that they're, you know, fighting. But the fact that she says like the first thing that she says to him is you need to learn how to stop expressing every single thing that you feel the moment that you feel it, which I'm kind of like, I don't necessarily think that that is a bad thing that he does that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that she starts with that and then it kind of spirals into this thing where, you know, they're both criticizing each other for the way that they are in terms of like, you're too emotional. You're not emotional enough. What are you talking about? You don't understand me. You don't understand me, but wait, no, we do. But like that. And then the fact that it ends with both of them just being like, I'm sorry, you know? Yes. Um, Which is so sweet. Yeah. They just immediately both recognize that they're wrong and apologize. Yeah. It just, it feels, it feels like a very realistic argument to me that two people that have this type of relationship would have. Granted, maybe it wouldn't end as easily in terms of like, can I say something? I'm sorry. Hug. Maybe it would. I don't know. But, um, but it just, it really feels like these are two people who really know each other. And one of them is in a difficult state because they were just shocked by something that they weren't expecting. And one's trying to comfort them and then it turns into this other thing. And then, you know, um, but yeah, I I think, I think it's a good, I like this fight because it shows that they know how to handle conflict well, because later in the movie, later in the movie, we see them having conflict and it's kind of just like over stuff where it's like, I'm angry about this and blah, and it, it, it is kind of a little bit less of a productive argument. <laughs> Whereas I like how we see that they can have productive arguments and they can, they do know how to navigate conflict with each other. Um, once you bring sex into things, it makes it more complicated. But, um, but I like that we, that we see that side of them here. Yeah, agreed. Um, there's one quick scene that I wanted to mention before we get to the the scene where they they finally do have sex. But there's this um, quick scene where they're it, there's a whole friend group together and they're all playing charades and Harry and Sally both have dates and they're both kind of like they feel kind of awkward. Like they're really not into their dates, even though they feel like they should be. And I just mainly wanted to bring it up because Harry is wearing this like open linen shirt with rolled up short sleeves and pleated pants and suspenders and he kind of looks incredible and i was just like Wait, this outfit is like amazing it? harry's wearing harry mm-hmm. oh i'll have to look it yeah. up i don't remember i had never noticed this before but this time around i was like wait that's kind of an incredible outfit he huh. looks great um oh wow did you find a picture i'm i looked up the scene on uh on youtube oh my gosh I love that. I love that they have all these different versions of the baby. What was what was the yeah. one that uh, that just said? It was like baby, baby fish mouth. Baby, <laughs> baby fish. <laughs> that charade scene is so. Funny. I love how she like she does a great job with baby, and then for talk, all she can think to and do they're is like draw, draw out something of the mouth. else. <laughs> she can't do it. 
so bad but it's such a realistic like that's how you are in picture you get stuck on one picture and then you just get upset when no one else can understand what you're baby doing. fish mouth baby fish and like there's baby one talk. Moment... i've never heard that phrase before yeah but baby fish mouth is sweeping the nation <laughs> so good i don't even know oh what my baby gosh. fish mouth is. Like this movie is so funny. wow this outfit's wild <laughs> This is right? not a hairy outfit at all. No, no. I'm like, wow. He looks Harry, like a who? 1920s guy who's going to work to shine shoes or something. Yeah, it's a very like weirdly 1940s outfit somehow. Interesting. <laughs> the suspenders and everything. Anyway, all yeah. right. Anyway, okay. Getting back Baby to the fish mouth. <laughs> <laughs> baby uh, fish mouth. <laughs> bye bye, baby. Rosemary's baby. Baby talk. <laughs> all right um so the next next we have sally hears that joe is getting married and how does she, she hear that again over. do you know i think she says that joe called her to let her know oh okay um, which is i mean you know I, that is a courtesy like if you've been in a long-term relationship with someone i feel like it's it's good to tell someone personally rather than having them hear it offhand from someone else but she just completely goes to pieces when she hears this and she's sobbing and she's she has this great line. It, it's so heartbreaking where she says, you know, because she admits like I didn't I'm not sorry that I broke up with Joe. Like, I don't think we were right together together. But she says all this time I've been saying that he didn't want to get married. But the truth is he, he didn't, didn't want to marry, marry me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's so devastating because it, it really is, you know. Even if you know that you're not right for this person, the fact that you've invested so much time and emotional energy in them and then hearing that door close forever, it's it's upsetting. It really is. Um, and, you know, Harry's just so sweet with her and he's like stroking Well, because he gets it. He gets it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this whole movie, he's been in the same place. He's been less sort of like outwardly sobbing at least that we've been we've been seeing but you know he's been processing these exact same emotions and he's been kind of low-key irritated that it seems like sally is not and now all of a sudden she's doing it but she's doing this very concentrated way and he's just he's just there for he's her. like let it I out love, honey let it mm -hmm. out <laughs> i love the part where she's like i'm gonna be 40 and he's like when she's like someday, someday. <laughs> he's like that's eight years away <laughs> well i i wrote down the line where he goes charlie chaplin had babies when he or she goes yeah charlie it's, chaplin, like it's different, it's different for, men. for men charlie chaplin had babies when he was 73 and then harry goes yeah but he couldn't pick them up anyway <laughs> and she's it's so funny because she starts to laugh and then she starts to cry again yep. meg ryan oh man she's so good in this scene just her crying it's like it it's so perfectly to me toes the line between being heartbreaking and you feel it but it's also funny. It feels you know? kind of over the top to me personally, but I, I think the moments when I when I connect with it is when she kind of sits down and, and calms down a little bit and is like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not that he didn't want to get married is that he didn't want to marry me. And like mm -hmm. the, the person after me wasn't supposed to be the one it was supposed to be, you know, the, yeah, that's the, like the, the stepping stone to get to another person or, mm -hmm. or like a transition person or whatever it was. And so I like those moments when she's talking about like she's being so honest, the, the emotional impact of the scene really hits me in those moments. And when she's not doing that, it does feel a little bit over the top to me, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, and I think that's anyway, mostly because the crying doesn't feel real to me, but that's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I like it just because I feel like you, it kind of puts you in Harry's shoes in this scene where you're like, we have so much, she's so endearing and we have so much love for this person, but we can also see, it's like a, you can see the larger picture and how this person is, you know, extending their sadness and crying about things that don't even matter, but also we love this person and we want to comfort them, you know, like it's. I don't know. I'm not expressing it very well, but yeah, I mean, I think it just gets back to the point of he knows what she's going through because he's been through it. Mm -hmm. And so he knows what she needs is just someone to hand her a Kleenex box, even when she Mm -hmm. wipes one tear with the Kleenex and then throws it on the ground. (laughs) She's very, very wasteful with that Kleenex. Yeah. Um, But he like, he sort of, he kisses her on the lips, but in a very like sort of affectionate way like it's a very friend it's comforting kiss it's a comforting yeah but he he like he starts to get up and then she like asks him to hold her a bit longer and he does and he kisses her again in that kind of comforting way but then she starts kissing back and then they're both kissing and then they wake up the next morning and they're in bed together and they've had sex um it's there's that great shot it like starts out with her face and she looks she's just glowing like she looks so happy and then it pulls out and he's he just terrified looks terrified <laughs> what does this mean what, what have, have i done, done? <laughs> yeah yeah and so, i love how um, it plays back it at least this is how i see it it kind of refers back to that conversation they had earlier which is how long do you like to be held afterwards and he's like i want to get the hell out after like 30 seconds but but like the women that i've been with like to stay longer and then he asks her how long do you like to be held afterwards and she doesn't answer because mm-hmm. it's like well because he's proven his point that like you probably want to be held for a long time and i i like how we see that playing out here in terms of him being like I want to get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And she's like, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to spend the morning together. It's going to be great. And I think she was, in my opinion, I think she was fully on board here. She didn't start freaking out until it was the next morning. And he was like, I got to go. I think she was like. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, she is, she's immediately really happy about it. Right. Yeah. Like, she's ready for this. Yeah, whereas he's like confused and I think it's it's like both the thing that he, you know, ordinarily after a sleeping with a new woman wants to immediately leave, but I think it's also the added pressure of it's this woman that I have so much affection for and we've been friends and this is such a radical change in our relationship. I need to get away so that I can process what has happened. And I feel like they do such a good job of writing establishing why the immediate aftermath causes such a big rift because it's like from his perspective they both go to sleep so he does stay the rest of the night he does stay the night yeah he does but then the next morning he needs to go to work and so he's getting out and from her perspective it's like i wake up he's already putting on his clothes he's out the door but from his perspective it's like no i stayed and then i needed to leave and so you can see how the two with the two of them it's this kind of conflict of perceptions and conflict of um expectations that leads to her then feeling abandoned, feeling like he's just, um, he's treating her like any one, uh, one of the other women that he's just had a single one night stands with. Um, and he's like, I don't even know what just happened. I need to process this. There's that amazing four-way phone call with Classic. Um, Jess yeah. and Marie, which is just, it's so well done. Apparently, I wonder they, how many times they had to do that in order to get the timing right. 
I remember reading it um, that I think what they did is they actually set it up, set up the, the shot so that all four of them are in the same room at the same time. So they were doing the whole thing live, <clears throat> even though there's like, you know, split screens added to make it look like they're in different locations. And I believe they had to run the shot uh, in the documentary I read. There's something like 60 times. I believe like that. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's so perfectly choreographed. I love how Jess and Marie are instant instantly like yes this is great we've been wanting this and they're like no this is not great yeah and then they're um, like oh you're right okay sorry how can oh, i support yeah, okay. you do you want to come <laughs> that, over for breakfast and they both look at each other like wait no <laughs> yeah. they they both ask them over to breakfast and they looked at each other panicked like oh no they're both going to come over and well then, that's what i'm no. saying about like how many times did they have to, which you just said 60 but like how many times did they have to shoot this to get the timing right because because um, Jess and Marie, they say things at the same time, multiple times of like, they did mm -hmm. it. And do you want to come over for breakfast? And like all of these different things, I'm just like, wow, this is, it's impressive that they were able to, to, to pull it off, you know? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Um, so then there's just a period of time where the two of them are just on such different places well they, they first they go to dinner to talk it over but that kind of makes things worse because it's like they both independently kind of think that it's a mistake but it seems like sally i think sally like at least secretly okay my interpretation <laughs> is that <laughs> sorry <laughs> sally doesn't think it was a mistake and wants to start a relationship but she knows that Harry is not ready for that yet. And so she wants to say it was a mistake. And then for Harry to say, actually, no, I want to start a relationship. So that's where she's coming from. Harry, I think, just really wants to keep Sally in his life. And he's afraid that if any change is going to lose her. And so he wants to say it was a mistake so that they can go back to the way that they were. And so that leads to then this miscommunication where she's like, it was a mistake. Harry says, good, I'm glad you think so, because I agree. And then Sally gets offended. And she's like, what do you mean it was a mistake? Like, are you going to pretend it didn't happen? And so then we just have this long period of time where Harry keeps trying to call her and apologize. And he's trying to reset the clock. And Sally's like, no, that's not possible. Like, you can't just pretend that what happened didn't happen. Like, it did. We need to figure this out. And if you're not willing to to confront the fact that it happened, then I don't want to talk to you because I feel like I'm just I've just been used and you're just, you know, treating me like any other person. And um, <clears throat> so Jess and Marie, they are, get married and Sa Sally Hold and on. Harry can, are... can I say two things? Oh, yeah. Go, go. Just go two, two brief comments. First one, RIP voicemails. I've watched a couple movies recently, <laughs> like Breaking Bad. It's on it all the time where there's voicemails mm -hmm. that actually like play like in the house you can hear it as opposed to you know you have to listen to it on your you know cell phone or whatever i really miss having like I, I, it became mostly sales calls after a while but when it's actually people that are calling and leaving a, a voicemail and a message i would love to have someone call me and like sing a song over yes, a freaking voicemail so you know even if it's just a friend i'm like yeah leave me mm -hmm. a nice little voicemail well the but, this is why I love the fact that you're constantly leaving voice messages for me. Yeah. Like it's so, it is so nice to hear someone's voice. As it's so much better. Yeah. Just text. Um, yeah. And then the other thing was very, very quick thing I wanted to say. But like it's mm -hmm. another one of those moments where it's just let's add something funny. I'm sorry. Billy Crystal's speed walking is absolutely 
a riot. It is so funny to me. The two of them in the tightest <laughs> of tight um, leggings. Like, he has committed to the bit. Like he is speed walking and he is. The hips are swaying. <laughs> it's. The it's arms are lot. pumping like it's it's great. I absolutely love that addition. It's entirely unnecessary. It does not need to be there, but it is. And I'm happy that it is. It's fantastic. I'm so glad you pointed that out because I completely forgot that this is where that happens. Yes. It's, it's so great. Also, I wanted to hear your thoughts on Marie's wedding dress because I think it's really not the best it's it's hideous yeah it's really it's really kind of gross but it's giving me like disney princess yeah in but in a bad way i don't think it's a date thing either i don't think it's like oh it's a different style from a different time i'm like no i think even for that time it was pretty ugly (laughs) yeah i mean i don't like the whole i'm not a huge fan of 80s fashion in general and 80s wedding dresses in particular um it just it doesn't read as marie to me and maybe that's part of the point right yeah it doesn't seem like something that's hers. Yeah. 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 I do like Sally's of... reaction though. of Just like, oh, it's beautiful. Like, I know. It's so sweet. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the wedding happens. Sally and Harry are the best man and maid of honor, but they're still really not speaking to each other. There's a great moment where Sally has this like little hors d'oeuvre in her hand and she it, she keeps waving it around while she speaks and she finally like just throws it away while she's she like storms away and like throws it off. Um, and they run into the kitchen and like they're having this whole argument and she slaps him and the kitchen staff is just in the background being like, what is happening? <laughs> Let's be <laughs> honest. This is not the first time they've seen this happen in their kitchen. Oh, no. no. Once per wedding, at least. You're right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, so Christmas time, Sally gets a tree, and we see that she's really struggling with it. Harry is still trying to leave her messages. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, finally, it's New Year's, and Sally is going to this New Year's party. Um, she's having this completely miserable time. Um, I think I'm going to go like, home. You'll never get a cab. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And she's like, she's laughing really fake to this guy who tells this really lame joke. And then she turns to Marie and's like, please get me out of her here. And Marie's like, you can't leave. You're not going to get a taxi. You'll and then she goes back cab. and like keeps laughing. Yep. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, People yeah, need to Harry's be better at like, picking up on that. Like if someone's clearly not interested to what you're saying, like it's not that hard to see just walk away there's a hundred other people here you could talk to like it's all good just walk away which by the way I feel like this is one of those things that has given me an unrealistic expectations of adulthood and maybe this is a um this is more common in the 80s versus the 2020s type of thing but I always thought when I was a grown-up I could go to fancy New York parties where everyone would be dressed up and they were all grown-ups and we're dancing and drinking champagne and we all kiss when the the, the ball drops. I always spend my New Year's with my family and <sighs> we're just sitting on the couch. <laughs> I spend it with friends. I just, I don't like going out on New Year's Eve, especially mm. in New York City. I guarantee you there are not New York City New Year's Eve parties like this that are this chill, yeah. I feel like, unless you're, I mean, maybe there are. I don't live in New York, but I intentionally, even when I went to school in New York in college, there were some people that would like, we're going to go to New York City for New Year's. And I was like, good for you. There's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> like, I'll, I do fun stuff at home with friends. I don't like to go out yeah. on New Year's. There you go. That's also, the way to do it. I feel like this whole concept of, you know, kissing people on New Year's, I've never been in a space where that's a thing. 
And so this whole concept of, of Sally feeling like she needs to leave because she's like, the thought of not kissing someone on New I'm like, give me a break. Are you I'm kidding like, me? Is How that a movie old are thing? you? <laughs> like, what? <Yeah. laughs> if that is something that shatters your self-confidence at that age, I'm like, I don't know. I think you need to move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, she's just, she's missing Harry. <clears throat> I mean, I get I guess, it. But you, like. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, so this whole time, Harry has been wandering the streets alone, bizarrely eating an ice cream cone, as we discussed, but he's, you know, he's really thinking, he's really evaluating what is my life right now without Sally in it. And there's a bit of a montage of the two of them and him remembering the experiences they've had together. And I love how it's done because it's just, it's not like one light bulb moment in a way. It's just, he's walking and then he starts jogging. And then he's running and then he's running. And like it starts when he's at Washington Square Park. You know, Eating an ice Sally. cream cone on New Year's Eve. <laughs> um, but the the place where Sally had dropped him off the very first time they get to New York. And that's kind of the trigger for him. But yeah, he's all of a sudden he's running and he's he can't get a taxi. So he just has to run. Um, but he arrives at the party and Sally is just leaving. She's got some absolutely gorgeous eyeshadow on. And I will her say her lipstick is like, insane mm-hmm. in that scene. The eyeshadow is great. The lipstick, I hate it. I absolutely hate her lipstick. Um, oh, because it's that very like shiny sort of. It's, it's like, like it's a lip super, colored, but it's it's not even wet. lip color. It's like a super bright pink lip gloss that sparkles and looks sticky. I'm like, I hate this look. Your eyeshadow's great. If your eyes are a statement, make the lips simple. And they are not simple. They are screaming at you. Look at my lips! I'm just like, it's this is too the much. 80s, baby. It's We're all about much. big. It's too <laughs> Big much. and bold. It's too much. Um, anyway, but regardless, you know, they have that that final scene you know what does this song even mean i don't know (laughs) (laughs) maybe it just means we're supposed to remember that we forgot them or something oh it's so cute it's so cute the way they they kiss and then they immediately launch into like one of their typical conversations about auld lang syne and it's it's so sweet and they're together and you know he's like i love you and i just i you know, that that line that we quoted at the beginning, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. It's just such a beautiful line. It's so beautifully written. Um, I wonder if that feeling's it, actually true. I've never experienced it. So, yeah. But I wonder Coming if it's true. I don't know. Two single women. Um, yeah. Guess maybe one day we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say, so controversial opinion. Mm, yeah. I don't like the I hate you line. I feel like it tries to be super clever and super witty and it does not work for me. I like the idea of her saying you say things like that and it makes me impossible to hate you like that works for me. But then her repeatedly saying I hate you, I think like two or three times with these tears in her eyes and saying it kind of endearingly. That doesn't work for me. I feel like it's trying to give this huge impact of like, oh, this is what it says about their relationship that hate Mm. is actually love and they've come full circle and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I wish, I wish she'd said something else or not said anything at all because the, I hate you for whatever reason, it just hits me the wrong way. Mm. It doesn't, it doesn't feel romantic to me. It just feels, it just feels like a disconnect. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. So 
Anyway, controversial yeah, opinion. I know people like that line, but for me, it's like it just doesn't it doesn't work for me. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it it works fine for me, but I, I can see what you're saying. Um, but anyway, yeah. So they they kiss and they're together. And also, side note, this this are some really good kisses, in my opinion. I was like, ooh, this this steamy. Honestly, uh, I was. <laughs> I, I <laughs> was unmoved. No, no, I'm gonna say I was like like eat like in my fridge putting like my lunch together because I was like oh I've seen the ending a million times yeah. I can just listen yeah, to it yeah. in the background so I have no un- like gotcha I'll, no, I'll take no you I'll take your to... word for it because <laughs> I was not watching at that point um yeah I mean I, I thought the way about all their kisses in the movie same same with um the scene where they finally have sex where I was like oh some good kisses yeah um anyway regardless um so we end with harry and sally talking about their wedding and doing a sort of interview segment and um they're together and they're married and that's it that's That's the end yep (laughs) yeah um so yeah we we talked through i think i mean we covered the whole plot and i think we covered a lot of the things that i wanted to talk about but is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or um no, I mean, what specifically to the movie? No, I mean, I just, I, I think Billy Crystal is the star of this movie. I love his performance. I think that if he was not in this movie, if they cast someone else, I can't even imagine there being someone else. Like, I could see, and maybe you disagree with me and that's fine, but I could see someone else playing Sally or Marie or Jess and making it work. But someone else playing Harry, I feel like if it wasn't Billy Crystal, this movie would just not, it would fall apart. So I think that he's perfect for this role and he does such a good job. Yeah, I agree with you, except I also think that Meg Ryan is perfectly cast in this movie. And I think what I think she's an underrated actress. Like the more I see of her, I think the the rom-com heroine, you know, and as we mentioned, like especially that sort of very uptight, um, controlling character, it's it's very it could very easily tip over into being someone who's kind of annoying but I think she does such a great job of making her feel really human, making all of her quirks and flaws feel of a piece with one another. Um, and yeah, I just I think this movie is so perfectly cast. I think the two of them are great together. And this movie would be a far lesser movie with either someone else in either of those lead roles. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so in terms of the awards and the legacy of this movie, so currently this movie has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Metacritic has it at 76, which seems honestly pretty low to me. Yeah, that does seem low to me. Well-respected this movie is, but I wonder if it's a thing, I didn't look this up, but I wonder if it's a thing where a lot of these reviews are reviews that came out at the time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this movie has just kind of grown in estimation over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a hit when it came out and it was pretty well-reviewed, but I feel like as time has passed and this movie has just aged so well and so many it has defined again so many other movies that have come after it um i think people have much more appreciation for it now even than they had at the time um i pulled two critics quotes about this movie um hopefully not too long they're kind of paragraph quotes but first is um Caroline Sita, who I've quoted many times on this podcast, um, from her When Romance Met Comedy column at the AV Club. R.I.P. the AV Club. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She writes, The most dated and, I'd argue, least interesting aspect of When Harry Met Sally is actually its fame central question. Can men and women just be friends without sex getting in the way? 
it's a pretty limiting, not to mention heteronormative, way to look at the world. But thankfully, investing in that question isn't particularly necessary to enjoy When Harry Met Sally, which works better as an examination of a certain type of friendship a lot of people find themselves in particularly in their 20s and 30s. After bad breakups, Harry and Sally use their friendship as a stand-in for the emotional intimacy they actually want from a romantic relationship. They become platonic life partners in a way that starts out as a healthy relationship or a healthy friendship, but ultimately becomes unhealthy because it prevents them from growing. Someone to dance with on New Year's Eve becomes the person who stops you from wanting to dance with anyone else on New Year's Eve. In other words, it's a film less about sex and more about emotional intimacy. Mm, yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting point. Yeah, I like um, that. Yeah. Um, and then second, uh, Mark Harris, who's a really great film writer, um, he wrote an essay for Grantland, um, kind of talking about the legacy of this movie. He talks a lot about it in the context of, you mentioned earlier, Woody Hall, or Woody Allen and Annie Hall, um, which a lot of the, um, had, had a lot of influence in, on this movie. But he writes in part... Um, As the story moves with economic briskness toward its conclusion, Harry's assertion about friendship gives way to a more grown-up inversion of his idea, which is that maybe being friends is the best possible road to falling in love. As romantic comedy premises go, that one is unlikely ever to go out of style. What has gone out of style is the thing that turns out to be the movie's secret weapon. It's a comedy that isn't afraid of sadness. When each character hits rock bottom, they're with each other and we're with them. The sad, scary undertow of every romantic comedy is, what if I'm not in a romantic comedy, but a melodrama? What if it never works out for me? By letting them, and all of us, feel that tug, the movie finds its stakes, and it also finds the punchline that has made really made it last. At Harry and Sally's lowest moments, we want the thing they're wanting. Yeah, that's great. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. I recommend, his, I recommend both of these um, essays about this movie, but... Um, yeah, I, I think that is very well stated. Um, in terms of just the awards, this movie was was a hit. It was a commercial hit, critical, um, critically respected. Although, again, I think it's kind of its estimation has just grown over time. It got one Oscar nomination for best original screenplay, although it Which lost to Dead Poet Society. I did not know that. It is very well deserved. I'm glad this was nominated for best original screenplay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I have never seen Dead Poet Society, so I can't say whether or not it deserved to win over this, but I'm very glad that it, it won that recognition at least. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Final thoughts about this movie uh, for me. Um, again, I just, I really, I think this movie is so well written, so well performed, and it really is a movie that speaks to so much about growing up and gaining maturity and about what it means to form a really close, emotionally intimate relationship with another person and how, um, you know, relationships are not built on one climactic moment, which so much of the romantic comedy genre can fall prey to. But, you know, building a healthy relationship means being with someone over time and seeing them in many different moments of their life, seeing them at their best, seeing them at their worst, spending time with them in between. And I think that's something that this movie is very good at. And, um, yeah, that's something I really love about this movie. What about you, Tatum? Um, for me with movies, I definitely have a soft spot for movies that are about relationship dynamics, but especially friendships. Um, there, I, I just, I love movies that honestly really seem to care about what true friendship is and what that can look like. 
Um, and so that's one of the reasons that I really love this movie. I mean, obviously it has the romantic aspect of it, which kind of puts the bow on it at the end. But ultimately, I love this movie for how we see these people grow together in relationship to each other, whether it's romantic or not. I just think it's really well written and really well executed. Um, and, you know, like we've both said, the acting performances are are very great. Um, the casting is well done. I like how it balances humor with grief. And it just it feels very human and very real. Um, so, yeah, like I said in the beginning, this is a movie that I watch, you know, maybe once every other year, something like that. But, um, yeah, I keep coming back to it. It's really, it's just, it's very well done. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah. So I like this movie. I'm glad you chose it. I, I don't think I would have chosen this movie to talk about, but I'm glad you did. Cause there's definitely a lot going on here. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm re- I was really glad to have the, the chance to rewatch it. Cause like I said, it had been a few years and I feel like I, I got a lot of things out of my rewatch this time that I hadn't picked up on before. Yeah. So it's a good good movie to rewatch over the years and see how it changes. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Do you want to let the folks know what we're going to be watching next week? Yeah. So uh, yet again, we are changing the tone. Uh, we are going into a stress, uh, a stress tornado monsoon of everything next week. Oh, uh, did we see this in theaters together, Geneva? No, I, I'm... I'm almost certain that we saw it separately, and I'll tell the story of why. Next okay, because I don't recall. Um, maybe I. S- yeah. Anyway, um, so we we are watching Uncut Gems from 2019. It is a Safdie Brothers uh, A24 film starring Adam Sandler. Uh, it is one of the most, if not the most, stressful movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and there's nothing like it. And it is a, it is a ride and I am excited to watch it again because I don't, I haven't seen it since I saw it the first time because it was so fucking stressful. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm excited to watch it again and to talk about it. Um, so yeah, that's what yeah, we're talking about I next week. Too. All right. <clears throat> Very excited as well. All right. So that's going to be it for us. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at yourpickpod at gmail.com. Our theme song was composed by Joel Rushton, and our podcast graphic was designed by Kara Shin. If you like this show and want to hear more, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're excited to have you on this journey with us. Until next time. sound like meg ryan okay i don't even know how to do a meg ryan impression (laughs) sorry um okay i have no idea how to do a billy crystal impression so we're just gonna figure it out all right what do you have a hot date (laughs) (laughs) i would be proud to partake of your puppy crush okay all right go ahead